Welcome to the final Work in the West podcast. This project has been funded by a grant from the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council and directed by Dr. Sheila Campbell and Andrew Stevens at the University of Regina. In this installment, we interview the research assistants who made this work possible, Afra Maywish, Hudson Paul, and Graeme Coulter. Enjoy. Welcome to another Work in the West podcast. We speak this afternoon to the research assistants who put together and produced the podcast series in cooperation with Dr. Andrew Stevens and Dr. Sheila Campbell. We have with us today Graham Coulter, Afra Maywish, and Hudson Paul, the producers on the series. Hello, everyone. To kick it off, I would like to invite you to introduce yourselves and describe your role on the Work in the West project, including anything you'd like our listeners to know about your academic studies or your community involvement. So perhaps, Afra, we could start with you. Thank you so much, Sheila. It's a pleasure to be a part of this um, interview. I am going to be starting my PhD at the Lang School of Business and Economics, and my role here with this project is of um, being a podcast producer. And I am really passionate about knowledge translation and uh, really taking the work that uh, a lot of, you know, research and academics that we're doing and putting that out there for more people to listen. So I think that's what got me really interested to be a part of this project. Thanks very much, Afra. Hudson, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, everyone. I'm Hudson Paul. My role in the podcast is as the web producer, so posting all the podcasts and making all the information readily available. I'm going into my last semester at the University of Regina, and I'm a finance student. Welcome. And Graham, your turn. Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Graham Coulter. I'm going into my second and final year of my master's in the labor studies department of McMaster University with a project focused on occupational health and safety in Alberta's meatpacking industry during the pandemic. Really excited to be involved in this project. I've gotten the chance to talk to a lot of folks that I've been doing research uh, using basically for my project, which has been really, really interesting. And it's been a great experience even just getting to talk to people who are in the field, working in labor rights, working to make work in Western Canada better. So yeah, my job is very similar to AFRA's. I conduct interviews and edit podcasts, try and get them up in a timely manner. And yeah, I've been enjoying it a ton. Thanks very much. Over to you, Andrew. Thanks a lot, Sheila. I know students are always hungry for meaningful work experience and money. So I do have to ask, you know, what attracted you to apply to the Work in the West project as a research assistant? And maybe how did you find out about it? I can go first on that, just to switch up order. So I listen to a ton of podcasts from left-wing media sources like Jacobin Magazine and The Intercept and also kind of popular left podcasts as well that are a little less academic. So I heard about this through my department, which has has some mutual contacts with folks at U of R. And yeah, just so excited to be able to get involved in the interview process yet again and try and reach out beyond the academic world into the community. So that's what really excited me about this project. And, and I think that we've been fairly effective as a team, getting folks from all different backgrounds, from different universities, from different contexts to talk about work in Western Canada. So that's been the most exciting part for me. 
Hudson, you've been around the project the longest. In fact, you started when uh, it was going to be a conventional conference. So how about you? What attracted you to the uh, project to begin with? Uh, yeah, so I guess like I really didn't know what I was applying to at all. January of 19, I guess. At that time, my teaching assistant applications had already passed. I wasn't too terribly interested in applying to any of those. Looking for something a bit more geared towards my skill set. And it appeared that like... There's a bit of that technical work available, but also there was the kind of conference side of things, which I wasn't uh, terribly eager about, but that didn't end up being my role at that point. But yeah, just being able to apply to something that could, I don't know, have me think a bit and use some of those skills as opposed to just mulling over marking papers or assignments as a teaching assistant was a bit more inviting to me. Great. Afra, what brought you along? Yeah, as I mentioned, I think this aspect of connecting uh, with different scholars, different academics, that definitely got me interested in applying for this role, as well as right before I, this was right before I started my PhD, so I was really looking for research experiences, and I think a particular role really helped me, helped me utilize one of the skills that I was trying to develop, which was uh, interviewing skills, and uh, that's also what um, got me interested in applying to this role. Thanks very much, folks. This next question is a bit of a compare and contrast one. Thinking back to your first impressions of the project as it got underway, we're wondering how those may have changed over the course of the past several months of work on the podcast series. And Afra, maybe you'd like to kick it off. I think one aspect that I was uh, really interested in is how many uh, individuals would want to come on to the podcast and talk about it. And I think one thing that I was really impressed by was how many academics as well as practitioners were interested in being a part of this and how willing and open and flexible they've been to be a part of this podcast series. And also given that this is something new and this is something different and you Usually, you know, we're accustomed in the academic world, at least with academic conferences that are in person. So I was a bit skeptical that are people going to, you know, be, you know, really interested in this. And I was really surprised by how much positive uh, response we had. Thank you, Graham. Anything you'd like to add or, or contrast with that? Yeah, I think my expectations were similar. I think, Afra, you have a bit more conference experience than I do, but I had been involved in some history conferences at University of Toronto when I was doing my undergrad there. So I knew that academics often are really good about sharing their time and talking about their research in a conference setting, but I'd never really approached union leaders before, folks who work in media before, to get their insights. And I'd never really thought about kind of democratizing access to academic conferences in terms of sharing through spaces like Spotify and SoundCloud. So it was very interesting for me because it's the meeting of these two worlds of like media and open access and the academy mixing together, which I think really kind of has changed my perception of what we can do as folks working in the academy and sharing that knowledge 
beyond just our kind of university spaces. So I don't know, I think that moving forward, this is something I'd like to see more conferences do is making this content available after the fact. So it's not just like available in a brief moment in a, a hall at University of Regina or the University of Toronto, McMaster, wherever. So I hope that folks across the country start to copy our success. Hudson, your role was a little different uh, in terms of being the technical and website producer on the series. Have your impressions changed over the course of the series from when we started to where we have come? Yeah, so probably in, in the longer term, as for like the original conference, I'd say definitely just kind of being along for the ride. The the ability for the project to change from like what it initially was to what it is now is and was definitely surprising. And I guess just as Afra mentions, uh, the relative success that it's having and the interest of people. Initially, like I'm pretty far away from the world of academia and like it's not normally an area I get into. Say maybe I see something on Twitter, but that's about the end of it. But as uh, Graham remarks like I don't know it's pretty eye-opening I guess what's possible whereas I guess without something in this format I wouldn't really see it or a person like me wouldn't really see it in a, in a typical conference format so I guess that's probably one of the most interesting things for me thanks obviously you all come from different backgrounds many different reasons why you joined the project and some of you have kind of hinted at this, but how has your work on the project built up or complemented your academic experience or your work experiences for those of you who aren't pursuing postgraduate work? Hudson, why don't we start with you? I think it adds a bit of flavor to some of my technical skills. So whereas some of the websites that I run typically are a bit less mainstream, some of them are in the gaming industry and the crypto industry a bit. So I guess something like this can kind of help to connect more to that people can understand to say, for instance, if I was talking about in a job interview, it's a bit more comprehensible and like digestible, I guess, that someone could actually understand what the point of it is that you're doing. Thanks. Graham, you're a labor scholar. So how about you? What has really come from this project and what has it lent to your academic experience? This is going to sound like a boring answer, but I think a huge thing for me has been learning practical things like improving audio quality of interviews. My project is going to be heavily based on interviews in my kind of world in McMaster. Learning those practical interviewing skills more so as than I had before was really helpful. But but even just working audio editing software, learning about like mic preamps and <laughs> which microphones to use and stuff. So the random point, but I, I've kind of enjoyed jumping into this world of like media recording and, and figuring out that stuff that complements the academic research as well. Even thinking about how how I share research I think this really changes a lot of that, kind of going beyond just having it confined to paper, thinking about when it's acceptable to share and how that can interact with ethics as an academic is really, really interesting and is kind of a, a new angle for me. So yeah, it's changed a lot of my assumptions maybe about what my academic work can be and a career as an academic can be. And I think even... Andrew, your, your tie into rank and file as kind of a founder of that space has been uh, really interesting and inspirational for me as well. So yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting ride for me.
challenging my assumptions and such. Thanks for that, Graham. Afra, how about you? Yeah, I think personally, I think that's a really great question. And the focus for me definitely has been on transferable skills. So the first skill, absolutely qualitative interviewing skill. I think I've really improved on that, developing interview guides, refining interview guides, taking that feedback and improving on them, I think has will really help me in my future career goals. Um, as well as I also think, um, you know, within the pandemic context, working remotely and being in a, a high performing team in a remote situation that I think is also a learning experience that I do take away from this. And I also think I've also realized the importance of being resourceful and especially and like with all the contacts that we develop, motivating them and telling them about our research project and encourage them, encouraging them to be a part of the podcast. Um, and I think those are important um, sales sort of skills that are, you know, often underlooked as, uh, you know, when you're doing research, you need to get out there and talk to people. And I think those skills have been really um, helpful for me and definitely will help me in the future. Thanks very much. Now, when you're in the midst of the work, you are immersed in it, and it has a certain rhythm. But stepping back a little bit, this question asks, what has surprised you the most about working on the podcast series? Graham, why don't we start with you? I think how relevant and interesting it is to folks that I've been talking to outside of academia. So talking about our field, of like labor scholarship and being able to share kind of small snippets and snapshots into that through conversations with academics and practitioners and seeing how excited people are about that from uh, brewistas to, to like fellow students who are maybe finishing up their undergrad and getting really excited about the prospect of, of this area of study. Yeah, I think it's a very exciting field to be in right now. And this is a great way to kind of share snapshots into what this work looks like. Thank you. <laughs> Hudson, what has surprised you most through the project? I think like, so with my workflow, it's pretty hands-off. So none of it's really surprised, but I guess like being involved in the meetings, just hearing of the work that has to go to complete this uh, stuff. It's kind of surprising as, as you're uh, suggesting earlier, you wish you could take the summer off and I don't know, there seems to be a lot of flack as to maybe academics don't work hard, but it seems to be a lot of work that I guess normally I wouldn't see. That's great. Thank you, Hudson. Afra, what has surprised you most working on the project? I, When I look back at this experience, I think what surprised me the most, firstly, I'd never been, I'd never uh, produced a podcast ever in my life before. And I always looked at that and people who produce podcasts as this really complicated process. And I would always think this must involve so much in terms of, you know, how they edit things. But I, what I was really surprised um, to learn is that it's so uh, you know, with all the technology that we utilize in this project with the script, with using Zoom and recording that, it's not as complicated as I had perceived it to be. And I think that was something that surprised me. Afra, you said something earlier that really resonated with me, and that is the skill set required uh, that has been developed when it comes to working remotely. So we've never met face to face in the fa same physical space. So what has it been like to work 
in a virtual environment for the entire project. And please feel free to elaborate beyond this project because I think we've all been quite alienated from other people. As much as we are empowered to work with folks from across the country, all on a single pro project. So Afro, why don't you start? Absolutely. I think just what I, one of my biggest takeaways has been that if you're working with a team that is dedicated towards accomplishing the goals that we've set out, whether it's remote or in person, I feel that you will be able to do that. And with especially our team and everyone has been so uh, willing to help each other out as well as, you know, we wanted to get project accomplished and, uh, and we did. So looking back, I think that experience just teaches me is, is that no matter what the context, if the if you have individuals in your team that are dedicated and motivated to get the project accomplished, you will uh, find solutions and find creative ways to get that work done. And then just in terms of working remotely, I, I'm maybe the minority, but I really enjoyed working remotely. And I really like the flexibility that I have with that. Like right now I'm sitting on my bed and I'm working. And for me, that is um, really great. And I also really enjoyed that I don't have to sit an hour and commute so that I have to reach uh, to the workplace. I don't have to wait. I can just wake up and I can brush my teeth and I can then, you know, drink some coffee and get to work. But if I was not working remotely, I would have to think about what am I going to wear and how, and is there snow today or is there rain? So for me, I've really enjoyed being a part of this project and working remotely because it's freed me of all the things that I need to be thinking about and I can truly concentrate um, on the work that needs to be done. So that's my perspective. Thanks, Afra. Hudson, how about you? Yeah, I think the the remote nature for me is fine in that, especially like in what was the first iteration of the conference, a lot of my work would have been uh, done in a way separate from both Sheila and Andrew anyways, perhaps like the occasional status meeting, but mostly just getting my stuff done and coming back as a group. But I, I would have to say, so like through the advent of of the pandemic is yeah I enjoy, I enjoy remote working and I was for some period I guess the end of last year and the beginning of this year on my work term at home and yeah it's fine especially I find when there comes to be a mix of both remote workers and in-person workers it's all the same like it's very clear that it's feasible for a lot more things than what we would have thought of prior and I think probably based on what we've seen currently and there's going to be a lot of opportunities that are now going to be remote or at least kind of starting to rethink how some of those things could be yeah i feel like that's a whole podcast episode we could do is this idea of remote work versus in person the office space and what that's going to look like in future it's been odd because obviously oftentimes these interviews would have been done via phone or zoom or skype or whatever we were using anyway because a lot of these folks aren't in saskatchewan they're across the country i know we're planning to do some interviews with folks in australia so they wouldn't be done in person but i it's been interesting for me because all of the kind of ethnographic interview-based work that i've done before was in person so i i feel like building the skills of building rapport through interviews via zoom has been a, a real learning curve for me and being able to make 
people feel comfortable and, and build connections and be able to come to profound truths in basically an hour of interviews has been, yeah, a big, big skill building experience for me. You're now several months out into the next thing that you're going to undertake and you're in an elevator somewhere and you've got that 25 words or less as you get down to the lobby to explain to someone you've just met what is the biggest takeaway from the project? Afra, what is it for you? The biggest takeaway for me has been how much I've learned, which is not directly in my research area, uh, how much I've learned from other labor studies scholars, the methods that they've used, the theories that they've used. And I think I've learned a lot that I can apply to some of the research that I'm doing. So I think just the knowledge has been the biggest takeaway. Thank you. Graham, what's the biggest takeaway for you? If I had to say it in an elevator pitch, riding down, I would say to that person, the hypothetical person, I would say the work you do is important. And struggles you face are worth researching and worth looking into and worth examining. And I think that's why this is such a compelling field is because everyone experiences having to work to pay rent having to work to help pay for their, their kids, you know, and the work they do matters to folks in the academy and their experiences matter. And I think that's a compelling answer for people. When I've been talking to people about the podcast, they say, oh, I didn't even know that this was like a field of study, but yeah, how people make the money to live in the world and, and the kinds of experiences they have along the way. So interesting. And it's something that 99% of the population faces. So yeah. That, that's my elevator pitch. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to turn it over to Hudson for the last word. Biggest takeaway of the project. I think first is probably just like what goes into like academic research again, like not normally something I'd see like a lot of work and a lot of consideration, a lot of effort and a lot of care for like many of them, many of the participants who seem to be very dedicated to what they've researched, but also then just the breadth of topics that have like come through this project is pretty interesting, I guess. Like there's something for everyone, I guess. And it really shows with what's been published. That's fantastic. Thanks very much. This has been a panel interview with the technical podcast producers for the Work in the West podcast series. Thank you for joining another Work in the West podcast. We hope you have enjoyed this series of interviews with scholars, union leaders, writers, chiefs, and community activists. And thanks to the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council for making this work possible. Words been getting round.
but practice what I preach. I staggered closer just to hold her hand, and she ripped her fingers out of breach. I said that I'm just trying to hold my own. What do you expect from me? She yelled, just shut your mouth and take me home. You know that I can't take your touch. Cause when he beats me down, I think you're gonna have to hold me back. And when he hits the ground, I think you're gonna have to hold me back. And when the words are found, I think you're gonna have to hold me back. You know I'm out for blood, I think you're gonna have to hold me back. Gonna hold me.